Hello again and welcome to Country Roads Confidential at earsports.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. It is Wednesday, May 27th. Chris Anderson, what's going on a week from today? I know there's something important. It's on a Wednesday. It's in the middle of the day like this podcast. I feel like it was just announced, but it's just slipping my mind. Uh, more big news that, that you certainly helps kind of usher along with the ear sports exclusive member Q and a with West Virginia football coach, Neil Brown. He will be answering your questions, not Mike's questions. I'm talking to you, the fan, your questions. Any of our members ask a question on the board. We got the, we got the post up. Please submit your questions. Uh, we'll go through them and then he will answer them live on the air next Wednesday, June 3rd. That sounds really cool. That's not what I'm talking about, though. Oh, what are you talking about? I can't remember. It slipped my mind. <laughs> However, what you've mentioned is certainly pretty cool. We've hinted at this a couple times. We have the story up. You can read the background on this. You can slip your question in. Have to be a member, of course. This will be a live video streamed on our website. Um, our expert video host, Josh Pate, will host. If you haven't been paying attention, 24-7 Sports has done a number, a large number of interviews with head coaches and also, um, I guess you would say like sports celebrities. So it could be players, fans, country music artists, uh, play-by-play guys, announcers, all part of a video series they call Social Distancing. This is different. And this actually started before, I think April 15th is when it first came up in conversation. So uh, it's separate from what you've seen, but it's kind of like everything else. If you can pay attention, really cool, slick videos, interviews with head coaches. Like I said, not just head coaches, but other recognizable names and faces from sports and college sports in particular. And Neil Brown will be part of that. Thanks to him. Have to add that because didn't have to do this, but oddly enough, wanted to do this. And I wrote about this in the story that kind of introduces the idea. We had our little one-on-one Zoom back in the middle of April. And he went around and he did this with everybody who covers the team on a daily basis. So this is not me bragging. But we talked for about 20 or so minutes. And at the very end, it was a small talk about, you know, how are you doing? How are things? And I just said, oh, great. You know, works fine. Hey, this went well. Maybe we should do a Q&A with our fans sometime and just thought he would go, all right, cool. I'll see you. <laughs> that was my way of getting out of the conversation maybe. And no, uh, he leaned in right away and said, well, how would that work? And really not a lot of negotiation, just some checking in to make sure that one side was still interested or that the other side could do this in a certain way. Some things that, you know, compliance is concerned about to make sure it doesn't cross any lines. We have nothing to worry about there and got the go ahead last week that, He'd be available for a certain amount of time on a certain date. We pinned it down, and he will be there. He'll be on video. So get your questions in. Ask, and you may get an answer here. Um, does this surprise you at all, Chris? Not because it's a West Virginia football coach doing something like this, but it's a it's a football coach doing something like this. It's a college coach doing something like this with the media, whatever that means nowadays. Uh, I'm a little nervous that it might be the last time he does it after – our message board members get a hold of him for a little while. Mm. A little bit nervous, but um, I think it's cool. I think this this is the type of stuff. As you kind of hinted at there, uh, it, the trend over the last several years has been coaches easing away from the media, the tra- quote quote unquote traditional media, trying doing more in house stuff. And really, I, th- I 
think most fans are looking for a more genuine and not kind of scripted and produced in-house kind of thing and looking for them to interact in a more natural way with outside media, with fans, and this is a good way of doing it. And we've seen a lot of coaches kind of hop on this, especially during this quarantine time where everybody's staying at home and coaches have been hopping on, uh, like you mentioned, the social distance um, podcasts with Josh Pate, doing different things with different sites. And so I think it's a good way of reaching out to the fans during this time when when fans really might not otherwise get to see you. Yeah, no idea what the future holds for media because you know, the, the industry is not self-sustaining right now because of ad revenue and you have furloughs and layoffs. And I don't know how we'll do our jobs in the future. Are we going to be allowed in press boxes? I doubt we'll ever be allowed in locker rooms anytime soon. It's going to take some challenges, whatever, but this is kind of a cool thing that's happened because I think college coaches in particular have a responsibility to remain visible for recruiting purposes, for just the marketing and the fan awareness. And I think Brown has dutifully kind of been like a face of this for WVU and, and information and reassurances and optimism. And listen to me, right? My new friend, Neil Brown does all these great things, but I, <laughs> I legitimately mean that. And I said this at the very beginning, like, he, he was out right away, like, hey, support local businesses. Hey, we're going to talk to the media. We know you all are going to struggle for content. And for me, that was – I don't think it was inauthentic at all. I really think it was genuine. It was kind of cool. But he's good in situations like that. I've talked to head coaches at WVU that I hadn't maybe ever talked before to or had not in a long, long time because they were available on a Zoom. So maybe, you know, maybe we do stuff like that now where – is it periodic? Is it in place of those – Hey, come to the Coliseum at three o'clock the day before a game, press conferences. I don't know, but I also think it's good because you learn more about some of these head coaches, whether as a reader or more importantly, as a reporter, Hey, he's cool. Hey, she's pretty, you know, uh, fun to talk to. Hey, we had a nice relationship before I forgot about it. This reminded me that it still exists and maybe you get more content out there. Maybe other sports get more exposure. That's cool too. The one thing about the, the video stuff that we've done, and I mean, 24 seven proper, the national team, is those social distance videos are kind of revealing. Like, they're, they're these coaches who are not in their natural environment. They're not on a sideline. They're not jogging to or from the locker room after the first half or before the second half. They're just in their office, and they're really not comfortable because they're not used to these video conference calls or anything like that, and they kind of, like, take the walls down. The one with Nick Saban is really interesting because he's just – he's Saban, and he's in his office and everything – is as you'd expect. He's got a thousand and one binders behind him, but just good conversations. He's talking about Michael Jordan. He's talking about the program and you can, you kind of dig in a little bit in these environments. And it's not to say there's a number of people that you can look at and say, I feel like I know this person a little bit better. I think that's kind of refreshing. Are we going to make any predictions on what Neil Brown's background is going to be for this? Is he going to be in the office or, or is he going to be somewhere new? What do you think? Hmm. That's a good one. Because, I mean, we've seen a lot of this, a lot of discussion about that. You just talked about Nick Saban. We've seen guys purposefully set up things in their background, not specifically talking about coaches, but obviously Zoom is everywhere right now with uh, political analysts and various news correspondents. And they're in, you know, their basement or their office or out in a public setting or green screening something crazy behind them. Uh, I'd like to see something Something cool behind Neil Brown for this one. Should we should we send him an ear sports logo background? <laughs> think we should do that, or, or do we have to like go through the school or uh, IMG and negotiate uh, those kind of exclusive publishing rights w- with everybody? 
I don't think we have a chance. <laughs> but here's how we'll know if we made it or not. If if the if it's a library, okay, and that's this thing. I'm not going to be offended. But if it's a, like a WVU United Bank backdropped, oh, that's yeah. some, that's some serious cachet there. That means we've got. That means we we've, we've established ourselves and we have appeal. And now oh. I'm going to send him one because if he doesn't have one there, it's going to blow up my face completely. <laughs> <laughs> Fell up just short. Let, one more on Brown. He he came in, and I, God, I don't want to do this. Just not like Holgerson when it came to visibility, uh, public appearances, public presence, media. I think some of that has to. Brown is fresh, and Dana was here eight seasons and had some ups and downs with the reporters. And man, if you do that for one season, those things get tedious for a while. He did it for eight seasons. I just think it kind of got stale. I don't put that on him at all. But you could pretty clearly tell that one is not like the other. And I wondered initially, like, is he just doing this because he wants to hit the ground running? Is this something like a genuine thing? I, I think we know the answer. He does like to do this stuff. He does really believe in being visible, being accountable, being there when he's supposed to be and when and people need him in the media. Kind of an underlooked or overlooked, underrated aspect of the head coach's profile. But he's good at that. He's interested in it. I don't think you have to drag him to these things. And he's done a lot during this quarantine, more than he had to, more than anybody else has. So I do think it's it's not manufactured. I don't think it's fake. But how important do you think it is? So let me ask you, Chris, like when you talk to recruits or their parents or you catch people at camps, does his constant visibility, availability, does that lend anything to the recruiting process or getting to know people easier sooner than normal? Absolutely. I uh Got a lot of responses, um, some of them very negative, uh, very angry at me. Um, maybe a lot of them from the Houston area. Uh, when the very first camp that Neil Brown held at West Virginia, I was out there before camp started. We're waiting on the gates to open to get into the field. I'm kind of standing, I don't know, 30 feet away from a group of recruits that are also waiting at the, the gate to get in. And in walks Neil Brown, or out walks Neil Brown, coming from uh, the indoor practice facility. He checked things out over there and walked up with a couple of coaches and a recruit and then just stopped and sat there and talked with, you know, a couple dozen recruits. A couple of them, yeah, real live recruits, guys that, that West Virginia was recruiting. And then about 20 of them that were not recruits. He just wanted to talk to them, say, hey, thanks for coming out. First camp, glad to be here. Love West Virginia so far and getting to know them, talking to their parents and people notice that and people notice when you don't do that. Um, I kind of, you know, I took the picture of it and said this was a big difference because previously, you know, Dana's thing was to not really show up to the camps until about halfway, three fourths of the way done. And there was uh, parents, recruits that were not happy about that. And then parents and recruits that, that noted that Neil Brown was there the entire time for every single camp. And it meant a lot to them and, and they took notice. So I think if he's doing that for, you know, say a, a kid from a high school right down the road that is never going to play, play football after high school, what is he doing for the kids that, you know, he's really, truly recruiting. And, and I think he's making a big impact on these guys and, and they're taking notice of how genuine he is with that stuff. I don't know how strong of a bridge you can, take from the point I'm about to make to where I want to go. But if you're talking about popularity of a team, you know, merchandise, concessions, season tickets, you know, income they can get, I do think that you can make that 
a lot more fun for people. To, like that's a leap you can make a lot more fun for people if you just let them know who you are and who your team is. And what's not coincidental to me is that he does all this stuff and he engineers all this stuff, but his assistant coaches do it and his players do it. And they don't have to be told at this point. Like there is some structure where they can do it. They have an app, for example, that when a picture is taken of them, you know, candid action shot and practice action shot in the game, you know, they get it and they can use that in Twitter. So all of a sudden it comes to them and it's a lot easier for them to use. And then if you find that the guy at the top does it and then the assistant coaches do it, well, the players want to do it too. And I just, I don't think you could tell me right now that the team is not more popular and especially that the players aren't more recognizable than they were, you know, 18 months ago. And that was a really recognizable team that Dana had in his final season. But I think if you went past that top shelf, you'd have a hard time identifying with or associating with a lot of the you know second, third level players, which by and large is the wealthier college football team. But now, heck, people know who the backup corners are. They know who's on accountability teams. Never mind what an accountability team is. You know what they're doing during the quarantine. You're seeing PSAs by a lake with an offensive lineman who's never played before. But by golly, you know who Blaine Scott is now because of that. And you kind of root for him. And you find like all these different reasons to get to know people and to root for him and to make this more fun, which it should be. And I think that's kind of been a success. I'm not sure that was a point. Or I'm not sure they ever said, you know what, we need to get someone talking about on a podcast on a Wednesday in May, a year and a half from now. But that's what happens. Like, if you actually care, people tend to care on the other side of it, too. I think that's kind of hard to argue now. And and also of note to take from this, reaching out to the media is not a bad thing. We're not terrible. <laughs> it's it's good to get exposure. It's good to be involved and, and get out there. And, and the media, you know, some more than others, will, will put you in a spot where you can – uh, you know, take advantage of that and really showcase what you're truly like and what these players and this program are truly like, and the fans will take notice. Yep, and you look at the whole fifth quarter thing with um, kind of, I don't know what you would call that. It's it's not new necessarily. If you're not familiar with this, they have this fifth pro- fifth quarter program where they're developing life and social and professional skills for the football players while they're in college so that they can succeed after college, hence fifth quarter. Um, truly that's not anything new even if you look at their description it's a collection of what they've done before just organized and it's given a label and now all of a sudden you say hey here's all the stuff we do and that we can do here's what we've learned from other people in other places but it's ours because we're going to put a label on it and we put it out there and say West Virginia's fifth quarter program and all of a sudden everything we're talking about like you know you had that snapshot from a, a year ago with the parents at the camp or the players at the camp and what the parents thought this is another way to do that where you say, well, man, this guy really does care because they're doing this. A lot of people probably do it, but do you know the name of another life professional skill development program in the country? I don't. Do you? No, I don't. I mean, because yeah. you're right. Dana did something very similar, right? He mm-hmm. sent the guys off to do, um, you know, I, I'm trying to think of where they went, but they were, you know, suit, tie, going in, sitting on work, talking to agents, learning about life after football. So, it's like you said, not new, but still new somehow, if that makes any sense. I like it. Speaking of new, Chris, we have some dates now. Last time we talked, the NCAA had said you can go on June 1st for football, men's and women's basketball. We laughed that it was only those three sports. We saw right through it. Many people did. 
up to and including the NCAA. That eventually became June 1st for everybody. Conferences from there are allowed to put their own dates on things. And the Big 12 went for June 15th. Seems about right. It's honestly about as close to ideal as you can get if this does, in fact, go off without a hitch. Because you can get plenty of strength and conditioning time and plenty of you know, stage tiered practice, I guess is the better word. Not stage. This isn't pro wrestling, but tiers of practice where you get the acclimatization period. You, you ramp it up and then you can scale back right before the season starts. Um, it has to start June 15th if it's going to be that ideal, but it seems like it can, but this really developed quickly. This all happened in the course of, I don't know, five or six days, it feels like. Yeah, and but the real question is, when will West Virginia, spe- specifically WVU, bring their football, basketball um, programs back? Because, like you said, the, the NCAA said June 1st. The Big 12 said anytime after June 15th or June 15th and beyond. So will West Virginia pick June 15th, which is what Texas Tech did? Because the Big 12 said that's the earliest, and Texas Tech and Baylor have already come out and said, we'll be there June 15th. But Oklahoma came out and said, we'll be back July 1st. We're going to take a couple extra weeks. So I'm curious to see, or if there will be a decision, maybe you'd know this as I'm talking about it, but if West Virginia is going to do June 15th, or maybe they're still discussing when exactly their football team will start voluntarily returning. So I talked to two people yesterday. One was kind of close to the conference. The one was kind of close to the university. And the person close to the conference and the university both said that everybody's planning on going June 15th. And within an hour, the Oklahoma July 1 date came out. (laughs) The the person who was close to the conference said, okay, not everyone, but still, you're going to see most everybody go June 15th. Uh, My understanding is that West Virginia intends to be June 15th. Um, Doesn't have to say that right now. Because, again, the governor is getting a little bit worked up about things he's seen around the state and masks and crowds and reports he's getting from businesses and restaurants and social spaces. And yesterday, you know, kind of pretty impassioned, like, just come on guys, like be smarter than this. I'm, I'm letting you get back into this. Like you want to, but you got to more than meet me halfway on this. And I think that you just have to be patient right now to figure out. I don't think you can say on June 14th that you'll start June 15th. Just logistically, it's impossible to do that. I've been told you need about a week to get everything, I shouldn't say a week, maybe like five days to get everything up and running again. Um, to get players back on campus could be another thing. You got to buy plane tickets, you got to pack, you got to say goodbye to your parents. Some of these kids may have jobs. Who knows? So you got to give them some runway. So, like, June 1st is probably not even the, the latest you could do it. You can go a little bit after, but I do think that everyone is going to try to, everyone except Oklahoma is going to try to go for June 15th um, because that's what the presidents and the ADs agreed on. So I think if they weren't going for that, if they could have said, listen, June 1st, but not everybody was ready. And probably similarly, June 8th, not everybody was ready. But everybody said, listen, we can be good to go on June 15th. And I doubt that Oklahoma at that point thought they were going to go June 15th. And so, listen, you guys can do that. We're going to go a little bit later. Maybe Oklahoma's just like making it easier on everybody for a change in the conference. I don't know. I thought that was interesting that they were the ones. But I think that WVU is going to set the timetable from today moving forward as to, all right, how do we get going on June 15th? And they can tell all their football coaches and players that. And if things get do, do get backed up by five days or seven days, it's it's a text message or a phone call or an email that just says, listen, uh, June 22nd, June 29th, who knows? Um, but I do think that you'll see them back here and announce closer to the date than maybe you think, but that you'll have a June 15th return. Yeah, because really the only people that need to know 
what that date is because I uh, basketball both basketball teams can't report till July first, right? It was sure. it was football June first and and basketball July first. Incorrect. Um, July fifteenth. July fifteenth. July okay. So the only people that need to know are the football players and and the people around the program. Many of those people are already on campus. So like you said, what's what's the rush to put that date out three weeks away from that? Give it another week, maybe even two, and and see what happens with the state. See what happens with the numbers. See if uh, you know the governor's gonna gonna freak out, uh, like you mentioned about what's happening and maybe slow things down. So yeah, that it, there's no rush in getting out of date. I see, you know, obviously it, it's the SEC is always different. Um, they set out a June 8th date and within like a few hours, basically every school had said, yep, we'll be back June 8th. Um, but I think West Virginia and a lot of teams in the big 12 might be a little slower about that because they know it's not really necessary to put that date out there. Yeah. The short answer for West Virginia is that they haven't been allowed to come back yet on June 15th. That's not from the president of the university. That's not from the governor of the state. Like that's going to be a all for one decision. Everybody's going to make the same decision on that one to say, hey, uh, you're good to go June 15th. And they may also say, listen, not yet. You know, this number is too high and this trend is going the wrong way. How about June 22nd? What's fascinating to me, though, what will happen in Oklahoma? Because Oklahoma State's going back June 15th, I believe. And Oklahoma's going back July 1st. How does that work? I don't know. And what was the other one in Oklahoma? Oh, yeah, because Tulsa was really late. Uh, not that they're in the Big 12, but obviously they're in Oklahoma. They're not going back till the first week of July, July 6th, as the earliest date they'll go back. So it's going to be interesting how all those different schools in the same state within relatively close proximity of each other are going back at drastically different times. It seems like this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the name, your price tool from progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'll have to check on that. I'm looking for it right now. And I can't <laughs> find it, but I'm pretty sure that Oklahoma State was going to go back June 15th and Oklahoma was changed July 1st, which just kind of surprised me because um, we, we talked about the whole state structure. It's really important. What would that do for West Virginia and Marshall? Well, they're in different conferences. They still are in the same conference. They're an hour and a half away from each other. What do you do there? Going to be strange. Um, one more on this, and we'll go. Do you Are you alarmed or surprised by anything about your seeing for plans to get going. What I mean by this is that I think one reason that we advance so quickly toward dates on the calendar and to get people back on campus is that there are these like concessions, I guess. I don't know if that's the right word, but hey, you don't have to have students on campus. You can just have football. Um, hey, if somebody gets sick, 
You don't have to shut the team down. Just quarantine that person. You don't have to shut the conference down. Just quarantine that person. And now, like, I'm seeing very hit and miss here and there planning for even testing where maybe you don't need to test. And maybe, like, only if they're symptomatic or something like that. I'm not sure there's a universal standard was expected for every team in FBS. But um, I'm wondering if, like, as an observer, are you comfortable with this? For me, I'm just kind of curious that everything that stood in the way of progress before, like having students on campus, like you have to shut it down, everybody gets sick. That all seemed to go away out of nowhere. I, I would like to see more. I mean, again, we can't really do uniformity just because we've seen how this, this virus is, is so drastically different in different areas of the country, different areas affected more, but, um, the testing thing bothers me uh, for our VIP members. You know, I, I reached out to that that Duke group of Duke doctors that's supposed to be helping the Big 12 with their plan to return to football. And I don't know what I was expecting. As soon as I got a response from a, a communication strategist, I knew uh, my answers might not be what I was hoping for. But it, it was it seemed it was a lot of yes, we're advising the entire Big 12 conference on how to get back to football. But really, it's just up to the teams. We can't tell them what to do. Uh, and, and all I can think is, what what is the point then if you know you are hired to bring this in and, and give your recommendations, give them guidelines, give them protocols, and they just submitted to me that you know their guidelines are just that guidelines. They're not gonna the Big Twelve can't be held to them, or neither can each school. And it's going to be different for each school. It's going to be different for each state. So I, I'm curious when each individual school is going to set these hard and fast guidelines set these protocols um i guess they don't necessarily have to share them with the rest of the world but i think it'd be best if they did i yeah i think they i think it's best if they do like this is what we're going to do period um you can't really keep that you know secret that that needs to be out there for everybody to know I haven't seen any players or I haven't seen any player parents perk up yet. And I think you brought that up last week. When would somebody, you know, for example, say no, unless I know what the testing is or unless I know, you know, what our protections are, you know, I'm not coming back. We're not coming back. I'm not letting my son come back. I haven't seen that yet. May still. I mean, I think when we get feet in the ground and people are comfortable or concerned, then we can probably advance that story a little bit. But um, I do think you see a lot of people now saying, wait a minute, testing isn't even going to be a standard on some places or it doesn't have to be standard or it's just so inconsistent for programs that can spend millions of dollars on a person, a single person. But what's a test? I think you told me a test was 150 bucks, 200 bucks. Yeah, right? here's 150 bucks, and that's for a combined antibody and COVID testing. So maybe it's cheaper than that. So you figure what, 120 players on a team? Yeah. 150 tests. 150 a test like how many times to do that is that an expense i think that's kind of like the cost of doing business at some point like you just have to accept that you know it's going to happen um but that may be too much that will be too much for many programs to afford you're talking more of division two or maybe even like fcs perhaps even group of five programs but i mean that's a bill but that's again if you want to play football because you need to make money well you're going to have to spend some money too and I guess I'm concerned about that. Like, that's just the one thing. Cause it seemed like anything before was absolutely have to have tests. And I can understand if some things go away, like, again, maybe you don't have to quarantine your entire team or cancel your season or forfeit a game if one player gets sick, but 
you probably need to know how long that goes and how far that goes. Maybe you don't have to have students on campus. Online education is good. And if you're worried about spreading it, hey, don't rush everybody back to campus. Um, just have your football team. I get that. I can I can understand that. So, yeah, those can go away. But the testing thing just seems significant to me. And now are we going to say that testing isn't reliable or testing isn't necessary? It all happened very fast. I wasn't sure what to think about that. Um, but we'll see. And I think you're right. I think that when West Virginia has a plan, has to come out. Everybody has to know that. And, and not because, like, it's a, a look at us, we got a good idea thing. I think everybody needs to know how, how safe and how comfortable people should feel about this. So I don't know why they wouldn't do that. Do they have to? No. But do they have to? Yes. <laughs> We're making a lot of sense on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, hey, two, well, well, I guess this one's kind of interesting, too. Um, surprise yesterday, Shea Campbell was a linebacker on the basketball team, excuse me, on the football team. Um, walk on 15, didn't play in 16 and 17, started six or seven games last two years, walked on senior day, Morgantown high kid, um, came from kind of nowhere, like a high school running back in safety and became a starting linebacker at a power five program in his hometown. Really cool story. Played through concussions and injuries. I shouldn't say played through concussions, uh, had concussions, played through some injuries. He was there when the team needed him in 2018 and kind of got derailed in the preseason last year because of injury, never got going, but played and had about the same stats as he had the year before. So um, really developed a lot, a good walk-on example for what you can become. And it happened over two coaching staffs too, but he transferred or he moved into the transfer portal on Tuesday. And I was surprised to learn this because I didn't know <laughs> that a guy who was out of eligibility could transfer and it turns out I was right and wrong. You can't if you're out of eligibility and transfer. So that was true. Two points for me there. But mm -hmm. he used all of his Division One FBS slash FCS eligibility because he had played four seasons in five years. Um, I was wondering, all right, he did miss those two seasons where he just didn't play. So at 15, 16, and 17, he just didn't play. Perhaps one of those is injury, and he can go for a sixth year. It doesn't sound like it. Um, he's using a often overlooked rule that differentiates division one division two division two you get 10 semesters to play your four years he only spent nine semesters in college he was not enrolled in the spring so he has one blank semester he can fill and it sounds like he's going to look into moving to a division two program there are many in west virginia so he can go not far down the road and become a pretty good linebacker here too but a good reminder that there's a lot of pages in this ncaa rulebook for good or bad yeah, this is not one that I had ever even heard of. I had not heard of that rule, Did not was not aware of it. Um, our Penn State guy, Sean Fitz, messaged me and said that they actually had somebody do the same thing, and it was a relatively obscure rule, and that uh, that their running back, Mark Allen, had made the same move, gone down, to, gone down uh, a couple levels and was playing under the same 10-semester rule. So... Good for him. I mean, if you really love the game of football and you want to keep playing and you have that opportunity, eh, take it any any way you can. Chris, you know me. I know you. We talked about exploiting the rule book, cheating uh -huh. rampantly. We like loopholes. This is kind of a cool loophole, I think, because I don't think it works for Shake Campbell necessarily. Nothing against him. For all I know, he's going to get a free semester of college for, toward a master's study. So good for him. And maybe he just wants to play football and not have to pay it all out of his own pocket. That's fine. More power to him. But a running back from Penn State, a quarterback from West Virginia, a receiver from Miami. Skill position players on either side of the ball, so maybe safeties too or defensive ends. Um, if, you're, if you're just a guy 
you were a, a big time recruit and or just a guy who developed but ran out of time, so to speak, ran out of real estate in college. And you say, you know what? I'm going to pull the plug. I'm not going to go to class my spring semester, my senior year. And I'm going to go and I'm going to throw 44 touchdown passes in Division Two. I'm going to get 18 sacks in Division Two. I'm going to catch 85 passes in Division Two. You're not going to become a first-round pick. I get that. But, like, you might make some money off of this. You might not be bagging groceries. You might not be greeting people at Walmart. You might not be a paralegal. You might not be um, – my point is, I don't want to give football players bad jobs. That sounded really bad. <laughs> but you might not be out in the real world right away doing stuff. And you can chase your dream. I get that. But like, this seems like a way to say, hey, I do have some skill that you just didn't see. And when I was on the stage and when the spotlight was on me, I threw 42 touchdown passes. I got 18 sacks. I caught 85 passes. I like this. I don't know how much it'll work, but like, I think it's a good thing for players. And I wonder if it could be some sort of pedestal because scouting in the NFL is like never before. You can find guys like this, especially if it becomes sort of a trend where guys are like, listen, chips in the middle i'm going to division two and i'm going to light it up for one year i love it and i also love the idea of and and if you're listening to this uh quincy wilson running backs coach director of football operations at west virginia state why are you not kind of poaching all sorts of kids like that from west virginia at the division two level you could build like a super team out of guys that might have one more semester who might want to come down and shine and really just kind of take off at the Division II level, get the spotlight on them. Uh, I'm, like you said, you, we, we like to bend the rules, and I've been thinking all the ways that the coaches bend rules with recruiting. This is a great way to do it, to build your roster at the D2 level and, and, and put together a super team or fill holes if you already have a good team um, and, and really take it to the next level. I love it. Yeah, so like if I'm a Division II coach, if I'm Quincy Wilson, or if I'm to somebody where there's a lot of Division I schools – um, division two is kind of spread out across the map and they don't have great resources. But like one thing you do see is you've seen this division two coaches work camps mm-hmm. a lot. And what a great time to get a look at kids who are in high school and maybe you get a chance to develop relationships and four or five years later, Hey, remember me? Uh, we got to know each other. That's fine. Or, you know, if you're keeping an eye on this, yeah. Like if you're a division two coach and you say, I don't know how you would do it. But I think now with this whole name image likeness thing, there's a way to communicate with players like never before. And if I'm talking about cheating again, so be it, because you left that blind spot in the notebook. Like if you can have, quote unquote, agents to represent you, I don't know what the word is, but there is some sort of like professional oversight you're allowed. There is no way you can stop that communication now. So the guy who is, again, just a guy in his senior year, but you're like, wait a minute, I'm looking at this one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, man. Hey, leave, leave open your 10th semester. Come visit us. Look at our spring football. Um, and envision yourself, you know, throwing 42 touchdowns, catching 85 passes, getting 18 sacks, like look at us and see what you can do. Because one thing I find, and this happens here a lot, like guys do transfer because they want to play. They want to have fun too. And like, if you don't have to go far and you can be the man when you spent four years just trying to be a guy, that's a huge difference. This is the revival of West Liberty football. Get ready for it, Mike. Yeah. I just think it's a way to work. And like, I hadn't had my eyes open to it until now, but like listening to you talk and listening to me try to explain why I think this works. Like, I just think it's a good thing for people to do. Like, I mean, if it works, it works, but at the very least, like you're a division two school, you can do that. I mean, scholarship numbers may be surprising to players who are coming from a full ride or have been a walk on and just, just finally got their hands on scholarship money. Um, but that's tricky, but I think it'd be a good thing to do. It could work. Um, another surprise, somewhat breaking news this morning. Um, 
and you've done some reporting on this that I don't know how much you can or can't share, but uh, good news, bad news for the basketball tournament, TBT, Best Virginia. Um, I'm surprised this is going to go off, but not as planned, which isn't a surprise, but like they're actually going to plan on having an event, but this is going to be a pretty unique situation now. What's going on there? So they announced this morning that instead of, was it nine or 10 regionals spread out across the country and then congregating at, at a championship site after those regionals, that they were trimming it all down to just one location. Um, the press release did not acknowledge, you know, mention which location that was. Uh, I'm told that they're still looking at a handful of cities. They're trying to find ones that are best for driving. Uh, they're really trying to kind of get a centralized location for all these teams so they can drive their bus there instead of having to uh, get flights from all over the country and come in. But the interesting, I think the most interesting part for me is that, you know, when they had the nine or 10 regions regionals, it was going to be like a hundred some teams involved. And then, you know, we win your way down, get to the final eight or whatever. Now they're just picking 24 and they're going to pick who those 24 teams are on their own. Um, I'm assuming that not assuming I'm, I'm hearing West Virginia's best Virginia is going to be fine. They're going to be part of that 24 team. They have, um, shown that they are a good team uh, last year. They've shown, and this is probably more important, that they have the fans to support and will tune in, will show up if allowed. So I think uh, they're safely going to be part of that 24, um, assuming. Could I quote you on this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can quote me on that. Can, but can someone steal this and put it on their website? Please do, as long as they have a uh, also have a fake Facebook name that they created and stole an image from a pastor in Illinois and then shared it on Facebook pages pretending to be from Morgantown. That'd be, that'd be perfect. That's the best way to share it. Lots of tea, Chris. Um, but here's, here's the other interesting part of that press release before I get way off on, on, on a very bad tangent. Um, (laughs) Too late, too late. (laughs) Is that if somebody on your team tests positive, your whole team's eliminated. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, that is what the press release said. I'm going to pull it up right now just to triple confirm that. But it said that, you know, everybody gets there, everybody gets tested, then you have to stay in quarantine for a bit. And then if you test positive after that, the entire team is eliminated. Uh, Yeah, teams will be kept separate. All participants... No, there it is. All participants participants will be tested for COVID-19 upon arriving at the location. A positive test result will lead to the removal of both the individual and their team from the event. So if you are wow. on best, if you are on this best Virginia team, you better be staying at home in your basement for two weeks before you get to that, to that event or else you might be in some trouble. I, wow. I mean, that's, that's a bar that a lot of sports are, probably think about clearing right <laughs> that's like the most proactive thing i've heard so far is it necessary i don't know but like that's a pretty bold thing i guess they're just not going to mess with it which is fine that may be a, a deal with sponsorship too where they came in and said listen it has to be this way um but that's pretty interesting i wonder if that I'm trying to think of how many players are overseas playing that would be coming back probably none right yeah it, well i don't know who all's over there right now i i assumed when i first read it my first glance on it was that they were going to be bringing everybody in 
and to the location and then they had to stay at that location for two weeks under like you know you got here stay quarantined for two weeks then we're going to test you but no they're testing them upon arrival and immediate rejection which is is pretty remarkable because i'm my next question is then what so you you bring 24 teams in and and then one gets sent home for you know somebody testing positive do you have a backup team somewhere or do you call them from home and tell them to hurry up and get there and what if they test positive or you bringing 30 teams in and six of them are just sitting there hoping that somebody else tests positive. I don't know. I don't know. Now, now I got all sorts of thoughts. Yeah, I would imagine you got to have a pool of like backups just in case. Right. Right. Wow. This is very interesting. Um, poor John flowers. I wonder if it's going to impact the construction of his team. He has one more roster spot left, right? Yep. Oh man. Maybe he just holds that one. Maybe he brings like five guys. Yeah, limit yeah, limit your roster, limit your chances of somebody getting, you know, testing positive, I guess. Or like maybe he brings like fifteen and ten are positive and just takes his ten. But like oh, this guy, like he's my provisional. So like I don't know, let's just say uh Jay Sean Page. Oh man, unfortunately he's tested positive. Okay, we're gonna throw Tavon Myers in. Is he positive? Uh actually, yes, he is. Oh crap. Uh how about uh I don't know who else could be on the team that isn't on the team yet already. I'm trying to think here. Who isn't on the team that could Trump my point? Be, I think he's on the team, isn't he? Uh, let me pull it up. I wonder if like if it, if if you would bring like an excess player of like could you have could you have like a an overflow roster where this guy okay, hey, my guy is sick. Um, can we replace him with somebody else? It didn't would, sound like it. Yeah, because again, but... like you could play with nine. If you have ten and one spot, you can play with nine, but they're not even gonna let you do that. I don't know. That's either admirable or that's that's really ambitious. I'm not sure, but like I admire clarity, so good for them. Yeah, I, I know where it stands. That's good. Rule number one, very first thing listed on their on their protocols. So, I'm not sure that's something that we should spend a lot of time trying to cheat, though. No. So we can we can resurrect a Division two school, but we're not gonna we're not gonna <laughs> turn the uh, TBT into a plague. Hopefully. Um, all right, we're, we're running out of time here. We have busy days ahead of us. I have to go um, knock out some interviews on some things that are coming up here that should be pretty important. I think. Um, Chris, significant dates on the site right now. What could you tell me? Uh, let's see. Today we have obviously free VIP day. If you're listening to this on Wednesday, if you're not a VIP member, come hop on, read everything. Everything is open. Nothing is behind a paywall for today only. Um, if you like what you hear, be prepared for a pretty good deal for the next couple of days where you can sign up to be an annual member, which will also give you an opportunity or a better opportunity to get some questions in to head coach Neil Brown next Wednesday. Yeah. And if you happen to be on Twitter, you got a, a second to spare, maybe, maybe shoot Neil a message. Hey, thanks. Just say thanks that you appreciate it. You see him, what he's doing and you like that he's out there and you'll see him on the chat and you're happy that he's doing it and he doesn't have to, but uh, small gestures make a big difference. Yeah. Just a thought. Yeah. And don't ask me about why he dunked on me that one time in the press conference after the flea flicker, too. That is off limits. I will zap that question. It will not be allowed. That was, that was my, my lone disappointment uh, with, with Josh handling the questions instead of you. I was really hoping you could get dunked on live one more time. Just one more time. I, I foresee a gnome de plume from you with one of your fake screen names and trying uh -huh. to slip that question in. Someone's going to do it, and I'm going to be very upset. <laughs> or someone's going to get behind the wall and go to Josh, and Josh will ask or something like that. Yeah. And then we'll get the true story about it. 
He did get me good. That's fine. Uh, but we persevered. We got over that. We, we've shaken hands and obviously have had many breakfasts at the Neil Brown fan club. Wednesday mornings, of course. I don't know if, uh, if you need that, Chris. But it uh, comes to fruition now. We have the Q&A coming up. So, again, just one more piece of business there. Go check it out. Slip a question in. But at the very least, watch. It should be good. You'll catch him in one of those cool environments that we talked about where not a press conference, not a sideline, not a camp or a clinic or a practice. Just going to be taking questions and giving his answers to it. So, enjoy, I hope. But uh, that is all for this time. We will see you next time for 24-7 Sports. For earsports.com, I'm Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you later.